0: Some of the free shows this season include Is Kali, Melvin Seals, Warren Treaty, Sunny War, Charlie Tuna and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. Colorado Springs has a new mayor who's not Republican, and that's a big deal. A new exhibit at the Denver Art Museum has us worried about AI all over again, and I have the ultimate Old Denver Gatekeepers quiz for my producer, Paul Caroli, who joins me to talk about all the local stories that matter. And just a heads up, this episode contains references to Casa Bonita. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Hey, Paul. Hey, Bree. How was your weekend?
1: Oh, it was great. It was great. Uh, But I have to ask about yours because I watched you on YouTube (laughs) streaming live Saturday night before the (laughs) Nuggets game three against the Lakers, which they won. You were at the DNVR bar doing their pregame show. How'd it go?
0: It was amazing. Can I just tell you, I had not been into the DNVR bar since it was two bars ago when it was the bank (laughs) bar and grill. (laughs) Two and I got 86 from there.
1: Uh-huh. uh-huh. Oh, okay. Well,
0: that's a story. <laughs> yeah, you want to tell that but- story? <laughs> I mean, I drank too much and did something rude, which is why I don't drink anymore. But um, so it was nice to go back. I hadn't been in. And it was at first, it's a little startling, right? It's like it's a sports bar. And I'm not that's not my environment, typically. Mm -hmm. But there's this energy about the Nuggets right now that just like makes you so stoked, right? So I'm in my Nuggets gear. Greg's in his Nuggets gear. The whole bar is in their Nuggets gear. We're there an hour before the game. And you can't even walk through there. Wow. It's. Bananas packed, Ugh. and I, at first I'm like, "Oh gosh, this is going to be crazy." Well, <laughs> then they open a magic door, and I get to walk upstairs to the VIP area, basically where they where they film the show. Love it! And so I got to hang out in sort of the VIP spot, talk about the Nuggets with um, Adam Mates, uh Brendan Vote, and Dev. And man, what a group of awesome, nice welcoming dudes they were just like come on in let's talk about the nuggets just like the nicest most friendly people their servers were nice the bar managers were nice whatever they're doing at dnvr is working and i just whether you're new denver or old denver the dnvr bar rules Hell highly yeah. recommend
1: and they got this nuggets playoff run fueling the fueling the whole oh. atmosphere i i'm feeling it by the way i wasn't Are you into finally? it i am <laughs> I am on board. Yeah, no, it's fun. It's fun. And LeBron is the perfect villain right now in this Lakers series that may or may not be over when people are hearing this. Hopefully it is.
0: That's what I'm wondering. I'm really hoping that uh, that it is over so that we can just move on and our guys can get a little bit of a break before we take on the heat. But uh, yeah, we won't know. Um, we
1: should move on. We got to yes. move on.
0: Yes. Okay, so first up, Colorado Springs has a new mayor. Paul, what is going on in Colorado Springs?
1: Yeah, so this is uh, a surprise to many here in Denver, I think. Uh, as of last Tuesday, Yemi Mobilade has become the first black man elected mayor of Colorado Springs ever. He won by 15 percentage points over the Republican who is uh, former Secretary of State Wayne Williams? Who, by the way, name recognition this man won a statewide election and he just lost in Colorado Springs to an unaffiliated candidate. This is like a high profile Republican losing in the Springs. Huge, yes. huge.
0: It's, it's interesting too, because I, I, again, like we don't talk a ton about Colorado Springs politics on the show because we're not deep in it. And I don't want to do a disservice to the city, but we've had representative Stephanie V Hill on the show and um, she identifies as queer. And she told us a lot about the misconceptions about Colorado Springs, the things that we maybe don't know as Denverites. And this kind of fits into that narrative for me. It's like, don't be surprised.
1: I thought about Steph v. Hill often in the last week since this result came in and the story that she told about this new alternative Colorado Springs that it's been rising. I mean, there was some, in some coverage around Mobilade's victory, we learned, I, I mean, I learned a lot more about how this change has played out and what it looks like. So this was from the Colorado Sun. It says, the city has gained nearly 70,000 new residents between 2010 and 2022. The Latino population in that time grew to 18.4% from 16%. So these are, these are statewide changes. But here in Colorado Springs, it seems to have finally led to this, this point where it's maybe not that conservative stronghold anymore.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think that could have big implications for the rest of the state. I'll be curious to see how that plays out maybe with national elections. But um, I, I would love to know more about this gentleman who won. Who is this new mayor of Colorado Springs, Paul?
1: Super, super interesting guy. Yemi Mobalade moved to the United States 27 years ago from Nigeria, which is in West Africa. Um, he then moved to the Springs in 2010. He had been living in Indiana. That's where he met his wife. Anyway, he moved to the Springs to start a church. And he later served as pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Colorado Springs. So he's kind of a leader in the religious community, but also in the business community. He's co-founded two restaurants that I think are, are doing quite well down there. I haven't been to either. Maybe you have. Good Neighbors Meeting House and the Wild Goose Meeting House. Do you know those restaurants?
0: I know about them just because a lot of like my, this is funny to say, like my friends that are super involved in the arts love those spaces. So really? I mean, uh-huh. So I would say that those are pretty progressive, really interesting spaces.
1: Well, but the list goes on though. It's He co-founded this niche coaching and consulting group which helps business leaders. He is like one of the most civically engaged people I've ever heard of. He serves on like nine different co- uh, city committees and organizations and it's it's crazy how involved he got in this community and all these different subcommunities too. So like business, restaurants, the arts and politics, like that's that's how he did this. Like this guy built relationships and built a coalition around him and he did it without ideology. He's, yeah. he's like not really a conservative. He's not really a liberal.
0: That's what I wanted to ask you because I have to say through the coverage, I was a little bit unclear. Like this wasn't just like a huge win for a liberal. It was just a win for someone who was unaffiliated. What do we know about his politics?
1: Well, this, I, a caveat, I, I don't know the Springs so, so well to know where this might Same. fall on their local political spectrum. But to me, just reading through his website and hearing some of the things he said on the campaign trail, he reminds me a lot of Kelly Bruff and Mike Johnston, to be honest. Huh. Like on some of the, the most important issues in the Springs, like public safety and policing, just like here, he supports hiring the police back up to their fully authorized force. Okay. Which is exactly the line we've heard from Bruff and Johnston.
0: That's so true.
1: Now, here's where he's interesting. The most pressing transportation issue facing the Springs, that was the question he got from the Gazette. He says the Springs is a car-dependent city and needs more transit in order to accommodate projected growth.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, I love hearing that from a leader there. They are – I mean, it is one of those cities that's known for being sort of the the post-war suburban development neighborhoods um, where, like – you know, there's like a lot of cul-de-sacs and dead ends and things. And like, there's just no transportation that even runs through those neighborhoods. So that's really exciting to hear.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: We'll be watching that. If you're a listener who grew up in Colorado Springs or has any thoughts on it, please share with us because we're always looking for a uh, perspective on how we should think about Colorado Springs in relationship to what's happening here in Denver.
1: I'll tell you one group whose opinions on the Springs is changing right now. The state Democratic Party. Hmm. Here's the one last thing I want to share about this before we move on. It's a quote from the new Colorado Democratic Party chairman in the Colorado Sun. He says on the subject of reaching out to voters in Republican areas or Republican strongholds like the Springs, he says, quote, we're starting to launch some very specific El Paso County campaigns in the future. So they are looking at this. This is this is potential for them.
0: Oh, you know what, Paul? We got to talk to our. Uh. Our state politics and green chili correspondent, Justine Sandoval.
1: I'm sure she'd have the scoop on that.
0: Okay, well, coming back to Denver, we're going to talk about our museums. (laughs) Paul, do you want to start with what's going on at the dam? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: This is a story that came out from the Denver Post. Our friend John Wenzel reported it, but apparently there's been some... uh, a disconnect? I don't know. I don't know about a conflict, but some kind of conversation evolving within the dam over AI. They Mm. have just put the first ever piece made with AI up at the dam. It's from two indigenous artists, Jennifer Elise Forster, uh, who's Muskoki, I I think that's how you say it, and visual artist Steve Yazzie, who's Navajo and Laguna Pueblo.
0: Interesting. Mm -hmm. So... They feature AI. Uh, what is what might we see when we we see these pieces?
1: It's kind of weird, and like feature AI is an interesting way of putting it. I think you know, knowing a little bit about how these programs work, I might say AI was a tool that they used to create this work. But Fair. it's it's a series of like generated images. Uh, here's the quote from the post: The unique collaboration features a poem by Forster set to animated images. Combined from the exhibit's dozens of paintings, its goal is to both honor the theme of Indigenous representation, but also to offer an intentionally unsettling vision that adds simulated heat, shimmers, and other motion graphics effects.
0: Interesting. So to me, this, at least in this explanation, it reminds me a little bit of our hysteria over uh, Photoshop. Mm Mm-hmm. As a tool. And that being like, oh my God, well, magazine covers are over because no (laughs) human is going to be able, no woman is going to be able to look like they make us look and like, yes, that's true, but it didn't, it, I don't know. I mean, there would be some things to to be argued with how it's changed our views of our own bodies and things like that, but it's Photoshop is used for so many different things. And this sounds, in this context, sounds a little bit like that.
1: So do you not do you not, um, what would be your expectation? You know, you're an art lover, you're, you're a supporter of the arts. Mm -hmm. What would you want to know about that? Does the, do you, do you want to know that this happened when you go and see this piece up on the wall that this was made with AI?
0: I don't know. I'm constantly grappling with this. Does this matter? Because I have a lot of friends in the digital art space. I'm thinking about the Denver Digirati, which is a collective here of artists that do digital art that you can see downtown in the theater district in the summertime. They project them on that giant ad screen. And um, I'm not aware of the programming they use to make those pieces. Um, I'm thinking of my friend Milton Melvin Cressant III, who's done some really interesting work. He grew up here in Colorado, and um, he's all digital. Mm-hmm. I'll share some of his work in the, in the description to, so you can kind of see what I'm saying. But I'm thinking about that. Um, at Meow Wolf, there's the theater that you can sit in and watch digital animation. I Again, I don't know how those are made. So do I need to know that? I don't know. Um, hmm. I, I struggle with if it matters um, because artists use tools every day to make interesting things. And just as anything else evolves, the tools that we have to make art have been evolving.
1: Well, here's here's where I... I think it matters. I think it matters in the realm of copyright. And this is Mm. one of the areas that has been undecided legally around this AI-assisted art thing that's happening. Like there's currently that Colorado guy who, uh, who won the first place in the state fair last year, he is appealing, uh, the denial of a copyright for that piece. And he says he's ready to go all the way to the Supreme court. So this is totally unsettled, but that's the part that bothers me because these AIs, what they're doing is they're just drawing on these massive data sets of things that already existed. So it is other artists work. And I think the question is like, whether or not they're being inspired by that work or like the way human artists are by past work, or if they're taking it, but they were taking elements.
0: Well, I hate to break it to you, Paul, but there's a little artist named Andy Warhol who also (laughs) did this. Yeah, he did this? The original AI? (laughs) I mean, that was the whole argument was like he was taking imagery from popular culture and consumer culture and turning into art, right? The Campbell's soup can is the most famous one. There's a less famous artist who's equally huge. I mean, I saw a retrospective of his at the Guggenheim, Richard Prince, He's one of my favorite artists. His Most of his work is based on uh, taking other pieces of work out of context and making them into art. His most famous uh, series is The Marlboro Man, and it's just yeah. imagery from the advertisements uh, recontextualized by Richard Prince. Huh. So I, I that would be my argument to you is also welcome to the internet. We've been making I art. I not
1: think about it that way. That's so interesting.
0: It, we've been making art that we've pulled from uh artists. I mean I was thinking about you could you know how you can like it used to be in your in your MacBook uh photo booth you could put this was before Zoom really was a big deal you could put a background in and take a picture of yourself. So I would like insert myself in like um Edward Hopper paintings and like you, you could just like <laughs> or like I you know I like put myself sure. in Beavis and Butthead's living room. Like you you can already do this. So My pushback with the AI conversation is why are we not talking more about what AI can do to remove ourselves from the constraints of manual labor and the things that really impact the human experience every day? That would be like where I'd like to see AI be getting some conversation. But that's my pushback. Uh, Before we get to our listener comments and our conversation, we're going to take a quick break. It's time for the 75th annual spring plant sale at the Denver Botanic Gardens. Mark your calendars for Friday and Saturday, May 10th and 11th. Admission is free, but you must register in advance at botanicgardens.org. Registering my husband, Greg, right now for the plants I want him to pick out and plant in our yard for me. Shop from 15 different plant divisions, including annuals, houseplants, herbs and veggies, and specialties like aquatics, container garden in a bag, and plants grown right at the gardens. The garden's horticulture staff will be on site to answer any and all plant questions you may have. This sale emphasizes water smart and native plants that are perfect for our semi-arid climate. They'll be great for a beautiful landscape that doesn't require a bunch of water. For more details, registration information, and a catalog of available plants, go to botanicgardens.org. That's botanicgardens.org. All right, Paul, we're back. We've we've got something truly controversial to talk about. But before we get there, <laughs> um, we just wanted to make a note for folks that listened last week to our Tuesday roundup. We talked about the Viva Streets um, event, but then we also talked about this gentleman, Eric Anderson, had posted a little bit of a critique about uh Denver media's possible anti-car bias in how we and our colleagues report on transit issues in the media and he just said that he felt that there was some anti-car bias in how we talk about RTD versus you know better roads or whatever and a, a listener of the show, Alan Cowgill uh, reached out to us and let us know, hey, <laughs> you may not have noticed because that guy doesn't reveal it in his LinkedIn profile where this post was made but um, he worked, uh, he did PR for the auto dealers association of Colorado. So he may or may not be working for those people anymore, speaking but
1: of bias speaking of bias,
0: speaking of bias, it should be acknowledged that we did not know that, but it is helpful context to know that someone that's complaining about how, uh, how Denver media covers cars at one point worked for the people that sell cars.
1: Yeah. So thanks. Thanks for flagging that, uh, for Thank us. You, Alan. That was helpful, helpful to know. Also, that whole conversation, I think, that the we sparked something interesting there with this anti-car yeah. bias uh chat we had. Do you feel any different about it one week later, Brie?
0: I mean, I, I not really. I feel the same as I did, which is we are always examining our biases as journalists. Whether or not I agree with that gentleman, I, I don't I don't necessarily think so, but I also am continuing to watch how we talk about transit. I'm just paying more attention. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. The real drama comes from a little a little <laughs> place called Casa Bonita. It's imminent. It is May
1: 23rd when people it's are hearing 23rd. this. I would call that the end of May. This is the we month are. when the South Park guys were supposed to be opening Casa Bonita. They mm-hmm. promised us. Here we are. We don't even have a date. We don't
0: have a date. But we do have uh, a comment from a listener uh, of the show about our coverage of Casa Bonita. (laughs) Our coverage, but also I think like
1: the whole vibe right now. I just, Mm. I love, I want, can I read this? I loved this. Please do. Okay. Yes. It's from Sophia. Sophia writes, hi city cast team. First off, I just want to thank you all for the incredible coverage you've been doing on the mayoral campaign. I loved all your mayoral madness interviews. It was so helpful to me as a voter before the election. And same with the runoff. I also wanted to push back a little bit on how you're covering the opening of Casa Bonita, both the volume and the angle. It's super cool that the restaurant has been saved and will be reimagined in a way that pays homage to all the things that make it so kitschy and fun. I too went there as a kid and was entranced by the Sopapia flag and the divers. But... I'm honestly so burnt out on hearing breathless, constant coverage of the possible opening. Casa Bonita is not the only iconic dining spot around Denver and doesn't need to be the representation of our city. Why not highlight some other great places, even just along Colfax, Davies, Chuck wagon, diner, bastions, the people that can support and discover instead of waiting for months in line behind out of state South park fans. (laughs) Lastly, this all starts to feel like revisionist history. People talk about how bad the food at Casa Bonita was, but that wasn't the only bad stuff happening there. When my dad tried to get a job there as a teenager in the 1980s, he was told he wouldn't be hired unless he cut his hair off. My mom's sisters did work there during the same period. I guess they met the management standards for appropriate gender presentation, and the employees were routinely made to take lie detector tests to prove they weren't skimming tips. I'm just saying it was shady as hell to make your young employees take lie detector tests and police their bodies. No need to whitewash things just because we're all excited about an indoor waterfall. <laughs> Sophia. Wow.
0: I mean, Sophia is a is a commenter after my own heart. I feel as a person that wrote commentary about the city for a decade, I would have, would have written something very similar long ago. However, I absolutely disagree.
1: <laughs> Why? Why do you disagree? Why do you disagree? This is
0: huge. This is huge for us. Uh, it's going to put us on the map in a way that uh, is unprecedented. Um, I understand the grumblings, and I, I I get that, about the South Park taking over and ownership of this thing. But it's the sad truth. They did, and they have the money to make it great. And I think it's going to be an economic boon in a really interesting way. We will be talking to the mayor of Lakewood. <laughs> later this week about what that could mean for Lakewood. Well, I'm looking
1: forward to hearing that interview because I genuinely don't know what that impact is. And I have been saying for weeks, I want to maintain critical distance. So I I have to say, (laughs) I'm loving what Sophia said. And I think it does matter. I think it does matter. I
0: I think it does matter too. I also just don't agree. I mean, I just don't agree. I think that we should be covering it this way. I think it's really exciting to me. This, I, I think once the end of the month, this opens in June, if the Nuggets take the championship, Denver's just going to be a giant party. And I, we need those feelings so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I respectfully disagree with Sophia. I think we're We're doing just fine, and I think the media landscape here is covering something that is rightfully exciting. I mean, I I thought it was interesting her – I do want to address the labor stuff, though. That's really helpful context for sure. I don't – lie detector test. My goodness, awful. Fascinating. Um, I would say turning away someone in the 80s for uh, having long hair is interesting. But I would also just push back that we don't talk about the labor practices of anyone else we talk about on this show generally, other than if there's like a unionization conversation. We don't talk about uh, who the Denver Zoo discriminated against in hiring practices or any other restaurant that we cover or, you know, Coors Field. I mean, literally anywhere we talk about, we don't talk about that. So I'm not saying that it's not true. And I'm not saying that that experience didn't happen. But I don't think that this is could count as revisionist history.
1: Well I just here, don't I, agree. I I, I I think you're making a great point, but I d don't you see some truth to what Sophia is saying? Like, haven't you seen so many headlines in the last two weeks where people are like, so-and-so's you know, lovely childhood memory of Casa Bonita, Or like, this is the love story that began at Casa Bonita and isn't it's it's all just kind of like saccharine and like yeah. it's a cheerleader in the point of like to the point of like well, what if it's bad? You know, like what kind of corner are we painting ourselves into? What if they did a crappy job?
0: I mean, I, there was a restaurateur that left Denver and there was a big hoo-ha about it a couple of years ago. Oh gosh, this person's leaving Denver and they've done so much for the culture. And like, he was a notorious scumbag. No one wrote that story. (laughs) So I'm just saying it's like behind everything, there's something not great. And if we talked about every single thing that way, We would never get through the news. I'm not discounting that experience. And I also agree, Paul, maybe we will be stung a little bit in the end by something that we didn't catch. But I just, uh, I'm not making a special exception for Casa Bonita. I would say this for anything that we've covered so far. So, Hmm. Sophia, I appreciate your thoughts, though. I really love them. And I think that it's totally worth the discourse and conversation around how we talk about something like Casa Bonita, but there's just really never been anything like
1: it. So there really isn't anything like it. I mean that's what's so fun about it is it's so totally unique. Like yeah. it's the labor issues they have at Casa Bonita, they just feel a little bit different. They're a little bit even even the labor issues, everything about it.
0: Also I will say Sophia, as a as a child growing up with a dad with long hair, I went through similar experiences. My father would be oh, really? followed around oh yeah, followed around stores. Uh, I heard many, many stories of my father and my uncles not being able to get jobs because of their hair. So that's real. That's totally legitimate discrimination and it sucks. I don't discount that experience at all. So thanks for writing in, Sophia. This was great. We really appreciate you listening and for pushing back on us.
1: Well, listeners, if you have any Casa Bonita memories or hot takes or counterintuitive opinions, or anything that helps paint the, the broader, weirder picture of Casa Bonita, I am interested in all kinds of feedback about that. You can leave us messages or text us at the Casa Bonita hotline. It's
0: 720-500-5418. Before we go, I want to, sh- I'm going to quiz you, Paul. I'm mm-hmm. going to do a quick quiz that uh my my twitter friend uh, aliza came up with she grew up here in denver we're always talking back and forth about our fun memories of denver and she was a little bit concerned that the south park fans were going to override the og denver fans and we weren't going to be able to get into casa bonita so she Mm -hmm. came up with a quiz that you have to take if you want to get into casa bonita so i'm going to ask you really quickly um where's celebrities
1: where's celebrities so this is Celebrity Sports Center. I know that,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: mm-hmm. I'm trying to say, so it's okay when I don't know the answer to the question, <laughs> which I don't. I think well, it's down it's, in
0: Southeast, maybe? Monaco? No. Nope, Glendale? It is. It's close. It's close. It's by your house. But uh, it actually was on Colorado Boulevard. I think it's now a Home Depot huh. parking lot and a Whole Foods. So it doesn't exist anymore. You Fair that you don't know exactly where it is. Um Why did Ward Road smell like candies and Pecos smell like cookies?
1: Oh, Ward Road smelled like candies. I'm making an educated guess because of the Jolly Rancher plant.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: And the other one was cookies. Pecos smelled like cookies. Uh Why did Pecos smell like cookies?
0: Yeah. Dang.
1: I don't know that one.
0: Keebler factory. Keebler had a factory here? Uh Uh-huh. The elves? (laughs) I missed them. Uh, So you got half. You got half there uh next question what's a mcnichols what's several answers to what a mcnichols a mcnichols
1: Uh well it's an arena uh
0: uh-huh it's a mayor yep i think you got it hey you got it arena and a mayor there you go um
1: take that denver natives (laughs) (laughs) i've been practicing for this quiz for well
0: you're doing you're doing surprisingly well i just want to say
1: thank you i appreciate that
0: yeah um, when your mom said we're going to Lakeside, what were you hoping for versus what she actually meant?
1: What were you hoping for? <laughs> well, you're hoping for the cyclone. You're hoping for the uh, the angry chipmunk, the wild chipmunk. Wild,
0: the wild chipmunk, I'll yes. confuse
1: yes. that for the rest of my life now. I made that mistake two <laughs> weeks ago, and I was mortified in front of you and Peyton. You looked at me <laughs> like I was some kind of alien or something. I said angry chipmunk, and it was just... <gasps>
0: What? how dare you miss <laughs> no. name you misidentify the most uncomfortable ride at lakeside so you're close yes you you are answering what you hoped your mom yes. meant which was you were uh, going to lakeside amusement park i don't know the but other one. what i don't know she actually meant you were probably going to the mall which is like really? not as exciting yes there was a mall oh. lakeside mall i have a couple i have just a couple bonus questions i know that you know about celebrities what did you do there
1: Oh boy, what didn't you do? I mean, there was all the activities that a kid could want—from swimming,
0: yep, to pizza, sure, an arcade an for arcade? adults. There was a bowling alley. There was a bar. You were correct. Good job, Paul.
1: Yeah, sort of correct. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I have no idea what's inside that place.
0: Oh, it was beautiful. Uh, okay, who is Mary Cha Cha Chavez?
1: Mary Chavez, no idea, no clue. Okay,
0: okay. Radio personality, longtime radio personality. Many of us knew her from KS one hundred and four. Was my heyday. Okay, but uh, we love Cha Cha. Okay, last question, trick question. Was Fantastic Nathan's a person <laughs> or a place?
1: Well, I've never heard of that. But since you said it's a trick question, I'm guessing it's both. I think it was yes. probably Fantastic Nathan who had his own Fantastic Place.
0: You are correct. Uh, Fantastic Nathans existed in the Cinderella City Mall. It was an indoor play place, uh, pre-discovery zone type. It was like an independent gentleman named Nathan, who my aunt went to high school with at George Washington <laughs> High School. Later on, uh, <laughs> Fantastic Jeez. Nathans moved to South Broadway and became Fantastic Fun. And then it was leveled, and you can now go there because it's a Chick-fil-A.
1: Good job, Paul. Hey, I, I might have been.
0: I think you got like 50%. I feel not bad about it. I feel not bad. I think we're going to let you in. I'm going to let you into Casa Bonita. Thank you for
1: letting me in. The gatekeeper will let you into
0: Casa Bonita. You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (sighs) All right, Paul. Well, thanks for chatting with me and taking this quiz from uh, Elisa and me. We appreciate it.
1: Oh, I loved it. Thank you. uh, Thanks for sharing, Elisa.
0: That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Mayor-elect Yemi Mobolade about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to six six eight six six. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye bye. I bought, a, I bought a bunch of knockoff nuggets gear from this dude on the side of the road. It says, straight Denver. Well, it says straight out of, but you can't really read it because all of the guys are in front of it. He was like, I was like, do you take credit cards? He was like, no. And I was like, okay, well, then I'll see you later. He's like, okay, I do. And I was like, okay, <laughs> cool.